You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. With the Sacramento Kings returning to action tonight in Brooklyn against the Nets, it is expected that their losing streak will extend to eight straight games. And like we talked about on yesterday's Locked on Kings podcast, as this losing streak goes on, Monty McNair's decision as to how to approach the trade deadline gets more clear. It gets easier. It's believed that the Kings are going to be sellers at the trade deadline, trying to move on from two names in particular, Harrison Barnes and or Buddy Heald, with the addition of other names like Nemanja Bialica, Corey Joseph, maybe even Rashawn Holmes and Hassan Whiteside that are probably going to be floated out there as well. But when it comes to Harrison Barnes, we've heard that the Boston Celtics are potentially a great landing destination. We know the Celtics have some young pieces that might interest the Sacramento Kings in a potential trade. So to talk about that more on today's Locked On Kings podcast, I am joined by the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, also from the Boston Sports Journal, John Corrales will join me. He will let us know how much interest there is in Harrison Barnes in Boston, what the Celtics would be willing to give up, plus he'll share his opinion on the value of the other Kings pieces on today's episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into the Locked on Kings podcast, your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast. Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years. This is season number seven for me, covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist. Instead of staying in Sacramento, we're going to go to Boston today. Looking forward to having you hear this conversation with John Corrales. We go back and forth about the value of Kings pieces, talk about some potential deals that could involve Harrison Barnes. Maybe the Kings could get Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, some potential draft picks. And John will give us a better idea of what the financial situation is like in Boston and what would need to happen if they were to absorb Harrison Barnes's contract. So without any further ado, sit back, enjoy my conversation, and maybe, just maybe on the other side of it, you'll feel confident about a trade going down between Sacktown and Boston before the trade deadline on March 25th. Well, it seems like the Sacramento Kings, after that seven out of eight game stretch where the Kings enjoyed some winning, they've come crashing back down to earth. And if there's any silver lining through it, it's that Monty McNair's decision of how to approach the trade deadline has probably gotten a little bit easier. It seems like the Kings are going to be sellers as the trade deadline approaches. The two biggest names that the Kings are more than likely going to try to move on from, Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes. And looking at potential landing destinations for these guys, especially when it comes to Harrison Barnes and the strong season that he has been enjoying, we've heard a lot of rumblings about the Boston Celtics potentially being a team that would be interested in Harrison Barnes and willing to maybe give the Kings a piece like they're looking for, a young player, some draft compensation, something uh, in return for Harrison Barnes, who theoretically could go to Boston and help them uh, with their NBA Finals push in the Eastern Conference. To talk about that more, to give that Boston perspective, is the host of the Locked on Celtics podcast, also uh, on the Celtics beat for Boston Sports Journal. It is John Corrales joining me. John, it's a pleasure to have you back here on Locked on Kings, my man. I hope everything is 
doing uh, good for you over uh, in Boston, and I, uh, I look forward to chatting with you and getting your idea and the kind of the Boston idea of what value, if any, these Kings potential trade pieces have. I think, I think we're in a position where we can help each other here. I think this is, Matt, uh, an opportunity for the Celtics to kind of write something that's going wrong and for the Kings to write something that's going wrong. And maybe, depending on what, what you're asking for, what the Kings are asking for, I should say, um, maybe there's some business to be done here. Because personally, I think Harrison Barnes, uh, I'm trying to go between Car- Harrison Barnes and Aaron Gordon as who might be the better fit in Boston, but both have, I think, a lot to offer. Harrison Barnes is a really important piece, I think, for, for the Celtics, if they can get him, because he slides right into that 3-4 spot. He can shoot, he can defend, he can do a lot of things. I think if you slide him into this spot right here, he's got an opportunity to be a contributor for a while. It's interesting. I, I have not heard the potential interest in Aaron Gordon. So if it if it really comes down to those two players in your mind from the Boston perspective, which one is worth giving up more in your mind? Out of the two, Aaron Gordon's probably the sexier name, but with the season Harrison Barnes has enjoyed, is, is that a better fit, willing to give up more? And, and what are the Boston Celtics, I guess, looking to potentially give up in a trade? Obviously, they want to keep their, their main core intact. So let's start with this. Aaron Gordon... It has, I think, one year less on his contract, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, gives them a little bit of an out. If it doesn't work, like you you, you have uh, an opportunity to get out a year sooner. Aaron Gordon this year makes $18 million. Harrison Barden's makes 22.2. And the Celtics, with that traded player exception, what they have is that $28.5 million trade exception. But just to explain it for everybody here, they don't really have 28.5 million to, to take back unless they really start moving some, some players out because the Celtics by virtue of giving Tristan Thompson, the full mid level have um, hard capped themselves. And so they have somewhere around 19 million where they could take somebody in and it doesn't matter. They, they can, if somebody wants the salary dump, you can do that. So, that helps them in their pursuit of Aaron Gordon. It's not to say that they don't have to give something up to get Aaron Gordon, just saying that they can find a way to take in Aaron Gordon without worrying too much about money going all over the place to get Harrison Barnes money has to go out because they, they just can't deal with that, that salary cap. I think Harrison Barnes might be a better all around fit, but at the same time, Gordon does some things and I think when he, when he can snap into that full-time four spot, might unlock some elements of his game where the Celtics offense is certainly going to come from Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba Walker. There is a little bit of a concern about how many shots Harrison Barnes might take. But also on the flip side, Harrison Barnes taking one of those shots is more palatable than Aaron Gordon taking one of those shots. So you can see where I'm going back and forth between the two. Right. I think there are solid arguments to be made for either. Well, with Harrison Barnes, 
recently his numbers have, have kind of come back down to earth, although not crashing back down to earth. He started this season just playing ridiculously well. His numbers were up across the board. Since they, then, they've come down a, a little bit. Currently is averaging just shy of 16 points a game, uh, is shooting 48% from the field, uh, 39% or just under 39% uh, from three-point range, also a very efficient free-throw shooter. But that's with the expectation in Sacramento that he probably has a more significant role than I imagine what he would have with the Boston Celtics going forward. What would you imagine would be Harrison Barnes's usage uh, in Boston? Certainly a starter, but more of, of a, a complementary piece or someone you think the Celtics could potentially lean heavily on given the circumstances? Well, certainly complementary. If he starts, there's a potential and why I like what he can do is you can start Kemba, Jalen, Jason, Harrison Barnes, and a center, whomever that center may be uh, in that particular game, and have Marcus Smart come off the bench, run your second units, and you're not, you're not really hurting defensively. Then you can close with, if you need Kemba on the floor, Kemba Smart, Jalen Jason, and you just go small ball five with Harrison Barnes and say, all right, let's roll with that. Uh, you could also take Kemba off the floor if you need only defense. If you're up, say, five with 30 seconds left, have Smart as your point guard, put your defensive center, Tristan Thompson, Robert Williams, whoever, and still have Harrison Barnes on the floor. That versatility there, I think, can can work and look a lot of guys have been missing time if they're able to get Harrison Barnes then you can start Harrison Barnes in place of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown uh, you you really have a, a lot of options so they can lean on him a lot but it's still going to be a complimentary role no matter what uh, there may be situations where he doesn't close although I, I don't envision them but you never know there might be uh, I, I like I like the different uh, options that he can give and also the Celtics are rolling with a Jason Tatum plus the bench unit, second unit and to start fourth, I mean, uh, in second quarters and, and to start fourth quarters, why not throw Harrison Barnes into that mix and have another shooter? So I think, um, I think that, that he can do a lot. When the Kings signed Harrison Barnes to, to keep him in Sacramento a couple of off seasons ago after trading for him at the trade deadline, uh, uh, the general response to the contract that he signed in Sacramento was, oh, it's it's a significant overpay for someone like Harrison, who's not great at anything, who is good at a lot of things, um, but also there certainly were questions about natural position. Is he more of a three? Is he more of a four? How do the Kings intend to use him? But looking at that contract, the fact that it was front-loaded and, and it got cheaper per year, we always figured that it was unlikely Barnes was going to see out that entire contract. Uh, and certainly now that the front office that signed him is gone, it seems that is more and more likely. So looking at the fact that it's 22 this year, drops down to 20 next year, and then the final year is 18. Does that make his contract a little bit easier to swallow from the Boston uh, perspective? Is there even concern about the amount of money that he's being paid from that Boston perspective in your mind? Yes, there is. To the, yes to both questions, honestly. Um, because the drop off in salary is, is definitely palatable because the Celtics are concerned about their tax bill. So having that salary decline over the next two years is certainly uh, helpful. Also, Aaron Gordon's does that as well. 
He's at 18.1 this year, 16.4 next year. Also very, very helpful and could be a determining factor. The Celtics would very much like to avoid the luxury tax this year. Uh, they do not want to be a repeater tax team. And if they avoid the tax this season, they reset the repeater clock. So that's really important because it's going to be another few years. You can still pay Jason Tatum, whose extension kicked in this year. I mean, I'm sorry, his, his extension kicks in next year at $28 million. You've got Jalen Brown, whose extension kicked in this year. Next year, he'll be making 25. Kemba's going to be making 36 next year. To add 20 to that mix is a bit kind of iffy. That And, and de- it might depend on what other moves the Celtics can make uh, on whether the they make that move or, or pursue Harrison Barnes or whether they decide to go uh, somewhere cheaper with their traded player exception. There is also the possibility here, Matt, that they don't even use the traded player exception, mm-hmm. that they take whatever salary that they have now and maybe they move on from Tristan Thompson and say he's not the guy that we thought he was. Find somebody to to take that salary and just use make a regular trade and bring somebody in that way and then you bring in somebody with the traded player exception over the summer that could still be Harrison Barnes for all we know but it's it's not necessarily a given that they're going to actually use that this season today's episode of the locked on kings podcast is brought to you by rock auto With the ever-increasing numbers of makes like Fiat, Kia, and models, Pacifica, X-T5, it is now impossible to stock all of the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And why wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand that his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than the changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. You can get the exact parts that you need at the click of a button. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com I know as the host of Locked on Celtics, you uh, have a, a, a strong listenership and, and good interaction with a lot of passionate Boston Celtics fans over there. And I had the opportunity. <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, I've had the opportunity many times to actually tune in and listen uh, to Boston sports radio over there. So I, I understand at least a little bit from Sacramento's perspective what that Boston sports fandom is like. So let me ask you what the 
the appeal of Harrison Barnes is to Boston sports fans. Is there interest there? Is there intrigue, like a, a romantic idea of what Harrison Barnes could be, or is he not as in? Or are they? Is he not as big of a name there as maybe what Celtics fans believe the team could go out and get? I uh, I I don't want to overstate it. Uh, I don't think there's a big clamoring in Boston be like, go get us Harrison Barnes or else fire Danny. Like that's, but his name has come up. Uh, other members of the media have brought him up as, as a potential piece to go after. So the name is floating out there. And I think there are people who say, okay, yeah, I get it. This is a, a good, uh, this is a good option here. Uh, but it's not, like I said, I, I don't know that there's any one name that stands out as, people want this particular guy. Uh, and I think that's an indication of just how wild this league is that I, I wrote, I wrote about Aaron Gordon. I, I proposed that idea. I certainly wasn't the only one, but that became pretty popular. People discussed that the Harrison Barnes one was discussed. Other names have come up smaller names like Bielitsa is a name that's come up. Uh, so there are, there are certainly a, a number of theories as to how the Celtics can bring help in and, and, and who that help should be. So if the Kings are to look to make a move and deal Harrison Barnes, they're going to try to maximize as much as they can on his perceived value based off the strong season that he is having. And I'm very interested to find out and watch this trade deadline play out because I know Sam Amick of The Athletic wrote an article pointing out how there are a lot more buyers than there are sellers in this market, or at least they're expected to be. And can the Kings and whatever other teams are selling potentially use that to get a little bit more value out of players from teams who are potentially trying to scramble to get that one missing piece in order for them to make a deep playoff or even NBA Finals run? So... Naturally, Kings fans have latched onto this idea of Boston is a perfect fit for the Kings to trade Harrison Barnes to. And then the two names, Romeo Langford and, of course, Aaron Naismith, have been the the big names that Kings fans feel fit that ideal mold of what Sacramento would like to get back, a younger player uh, who fits the De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, new Monty McNair rebuild timeline. Uh, in your mind those two pieces, the likelihood of one of them or both of them coming back in a deal like that. Uh, how willing is Boston to move on from pieces like that in order to improve to win right now? I think they're willing. I think they're willing to do something. They, they understand that you, you've got to give something up. I don't think it'll be both because I think they want to see some of that return. Um, and look, when you've got an expensive team, you want to have at least one or two of these rookie contracts mm -hmm. on there performing. So it doesn't become extraordinarily extravagant. So uh, if it cost Romeo Langford or Aaron Neesmith, I think the Celtics would be willing to, to make that move if they believe that Harrison Barnes is, is the answer. So um, I don't know if the Celtics fully believe that Harrison Barnes is the answer, I'm not going to say because a few of us in the media have advocated for that, that Danny Ainge is on that same page. Mm. I do know that Danny Ainge is looking. Obviously, he's looking. He has everything from little small deals that he could do up to the major deals that are in his scope. So his big thing is he's not going to overpay for anybody. So you're probably not going to get both Neesmith 
or and Langford. It's going to be an either or. Mm-hmm. Um, you he may, you know, say, hey, can you, you know, we'll throw you some cash. You take Jeff Teague and cut him, and we'll pay for that. Uh, maybe you take a Shemi Ojale or something like that. Um, I don't know what the Kings are going to be hoping for in return. And I think I think the the notion that they can get a big return, I think there's some some you know value to that. I, I think all of the big free agents that teams were gearing up for are gone. And so the trade market, this trade deadline has the potential to be a little crazy as teams that were hoping for one of the big free agents now pivot and and spend their money some other way. So um, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what the price is for Harrison Barnes, because that's where I think the Celtics will, will balk. And I don't know actually how that structure would even go. If a third team would have to get involved, because if the Celtics do indeed acquire him via the traded player exception, then the Langford plus whomever else in the pick, that's a separate deal. Right. And I got to see how that is particularly structured. So that, that does add complication to that. And I'm, that leads well into my next question, because I'm not going to ask you to come up with a trade that absolutely works money-wise and on the ESPN trade machine and things like that if we were to to plug it in. But I'm more curious on your perceived value of what Harrison Barnes is and how he could potentially help the Boston Celtics. In your mind, if you were uh, running the Boston Celtics and, and interested in, in a Harrison Barnes trade, what is the most that you are comfortable giving up, or what do you think the value is that you would give up uh, for uh, from Boston for Harrison Barnes? So I look at Harrison Barnes at coming up on 29 years old, still in his prime. Uh, I, I think he is paid a little too much for what he's doing, but <laughs> so be it, right? Fair. Um, I, I think that I could talk myself into he is what we hope Romeo or Neesmith becomes. And so a team that's more of in a win now mode, you say, well, we're trading Romeo Langford, let's say for future Romeo Langford, we're fast forwarding and we're getting Harrison Barnes. And for the price of hopping in that time machine, there are a couple of picks that are going to have to be involved. And the question is, what number is the right number for, for first round picks? Is it going to be one? Is it going to be two? Uh, I, I don't want this to become, Hey, look at what Milwaukee gave up for drew holiday. Right. Like, well, I'm sorry, but we don't have a Giannis Antetokounmpo on this roster that is, is potentially going to leave in a year. The, the two superstars that the Celtics are hoping become superstars anyway Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, one just started his extension. The other one begins his extension next year. There's a little bit more time, so a little less urgency. So let's let's not think that we're going to go full Milwaukee here. Um, but it depends on who the other players are. And a lot of this comes down to what makes sense versus what other teams are willing to do. And the Celtics, I think, would be willing to give up a first I think they'd be willing to give up one of these young players. Uh, they may say, you know, we want to clear some space and that's okay. Um, but I don't think they're going to go too too crazy because the Celtics may also have 
other options, other plans, and they're not gonna they're not gonna overreact and jump headfirst into the first available trade where if they think that some other possibilities are out there. I know regardless of the final score, regardless of how bad the team is, Sacramento Kings fans are always going to be watching. But now, Kings fans, not only can you watch Kings games, you could also make money on them, even if it results in a Kings loss. Look, we understand the trends of our team. We recognize when games can go south quickly, and you can use that knowledge to make some money on betonline.ag, the official sports gambling partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. On betonline.ag tonight, the Sacramento Kings are six-and-a-half-point underdogs in Brooklyn against the Nets. Six and a half points. Do you think the Kings will cover that spread based off of how this season has gone and how this losing streak has gone, or do you think they won't? I, for one, would probably take the uh, Brooklyn Nets minus six and a half tonight, but that is just me. Bet online, you can bet on anything. It's not just sports, and it's not just typical game lines. Did you know that Bet Online right now has odds for the next NBA head coach to be fired? And guess who's at the top? Yep, Luke Walton. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. There's NBA, college basketball, NHL, baseball's coming, soccer's coming. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. If you head to their website, betonline.ag, or you use your mobile device, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code locked on. Don't be on the sidelines, get in on the action on Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I want to ask you about the other crop of players that potentially the King could move and get some halfway decent value for. Uh, in no particular order, you already mentioned Nemanja Bialica. Buddy Heald is the other big name, although I think I'm right in assuming that that's not really a fit or massive interest uh, in Boston. And, and certainly correct. Boston would not be willing to give up the value that I think the Kings would be asking in return for Buddy Heald and the big contract that he just started. Um, there's also Hassan Whiteside, who's on a league minimum deal. Uh, there is uh, Rashawn Holmes, who is about to become a unrestricted free agent, who's having a great season, uh, but there's questions about fit and having to re-sign him going forward in the future. Corey Joseph, another guy who's, in my mind and everybody's mind, clearly overpaid. Just rattling on those list of names, I, I would love to get the Boston perspective of, hey, we might there might be interest in, in one of those guys here. And then I would love to get your perspective, John, based off of your perception of market value of how enticing any of those names are in any kind of trade market. So as far as Boston's concerned, the only one I can think of that has any value is the guy I mentioned before is Bielitsa. Right. Right. So he's, he makes $7 million. The Celtics could formulate some sort of trade without using a traded player exception to make that happen. They, the, the question is, do they want to re-sign him? Um, and, and it depends on like, what, what are the Kings looking to get back? You know, do they, do they, are they willing to take back a Tristan Thompson if the Celtics pay them for the, Hey, you're taking on an extra year. We'll give you something of value, meaningful value, whatever that is. You've got to, you've got to help solve a problem for us too. 
we'll we'll pay you something. I don't know if I don't even know if that's something that Sacramento is willing to do. Mm. Uh, but there there are possibilities elsewhere here. Um, you're not going to get Langford or Neesmith in in this kind of deal, right? Uh, you're you're going to get something else. Maybe maybe Shemi Ojale interests you as just a a guy off the bench, and and that could be maybe you feel like Carson Edwards is somebody that can can with a little extra time. But I don't know that. I don't know what the the actual structure of the trade is. I don't even know if the Celtics want to do it because if you're trading for Bielitsa, you're trading him. You're trading for him with the kind of thought of maybe you want to sign him. Um, and and because the Celtics do not have the cap space moving forward, that kind of puts them in a tough spot because they're you know Bielitsa's agent could just be like, yeah, I know that his value is X, but you're gonna to have to pay a premium to keep him because you can't spend that money anywhere else. You can't just go off and get somebody uh, at the, the mini mid-level next year that does what he does. So you're going to have to pony up a little extra dough for him. Mm. I don't know if that's a situation the Celtics want to be in, but he's, he's certainly stretch four, you know, is, is always going to be somebody that they're looking at. Uh, Corey Joseph, considering that he's got a non-guaranteed year next year, uh, I can see somebody that is is looking to add a piece, a contenderish type, uh, if they have the means. Sure, Corey Joseph could be somebody that you say, "Oh, you bite the bullet. We're going to make a run for it now." Uh, I Rashawn Holmes is an interesting guy. I don't think the Celtics have any interest, but um, as a as a big, I don't know. Do you does somebody does somebody want to you know pay him what what he thinks he's worth? He's, he's such an interesting guy. I'm not, I'm not sure what that future holds for him. And uh, it's a hard no on Hassan. White. <laughs> I, just, I am, I am the most anti Whiteside guy in the NBA. Probably like I cannot stand him. I think he's been bad since his Miami days. I don't think he brings any value to a roster. I don't know how he keeps getting these, these gigs. All of his stats are empty stats. Um, I don't want Hassan Whiteside anywhere near me the, unless he's playing for the competition, in which case they can get him and the Celtics can, can exploit him. Right. So if nothing else locked on Kings listeners, you know that Hassan Whiteside is not wanted uh, in Boston. And I can't say that that surprises me too much. Um, I, I do want to wrap up with this, John, that same crop of players, including Harrison Barnes, is there any, uh, scenario where one of them goes to a another contender a rival in the eastern conference that would concern you from a celtics perspective let's say hypothetical situation uh the uh, the king's trade buddy healed to the philadelphia 76ers to bolster their shooting which i know was a, a theoretical sure. trade that was talked about back at the uh, during the offseason does that concern you in any way that the kings could give a piece to a contender in the east that could give boston problems that i mean of course of course, um, especially like Philly getting better. I mean, they're already at the top of the standings. And if, if you fix a big problem that, you know, the one of, one of the problems, the small problems that they have, um, it'd be interesting. Now, theoretically, I see, I hear that and I go, boy, that would be tough. I, I do hold out hope that the healed and bead personality dynamic mm-hmm. 
would be potentially destructive. Like that's, that's something that would be possible because Heald likes to shoot and he will shoot every chance he's got. If Heald starts taking shots away from Joel Embiid, well, then there's the potential there for some kind of discord. And when you consider that Heald has three more years on his contract after this one, then that that becomes a problem. And if his, like, I think his attitude is one of the strikes against him, right? Like we've seen everything that he went through with the team. Um, if he if he goes to Philly and then that becomes sort of an issue, then, uh, you know, what's the value of him after that? So uh, as a person covering a team outside of Philly, um, that's where I would hang my hat on something going wrong. But just from pure basketball spot, I think that that could be potentially, you know, that that could separate Philly and Brooklyn as the class of the top of the East. Um, Milwaukee would certainly have some problems with that, too. And I can tell you, too, that those concerns that you just brought up about Buddy Heald were uh, significantly stronger, at least for me, going back to the offseason when we were hearing that Buddy Heald was continue, or he'd continue to be disgruntled. He was looking for a way out. He wasn't returning head coach Luke Walton's phone calls. I will give Buddy Heald full credit, even though he's had a significantly down year shooting the basketball this year. His numbers are down across the board. He has done a, a phenomenal job in my mind. Uh, doing the right things, saying the right things. He's communicating significantly better on the floor. It's not always resulting in, in what the Kings want out of him, but he's putting more focus into his defense. He's still a bad defender, but he's putting more focus into his defense. He's trying to do the other things, find his open teammates, use his floor spacing, even when he's not shooting uh, to the benefit of the team. So maybe I'm a little less concerned about a, a clash between Buddy Heald and the Philadelphia 76ers, but also a big question mark in a potential Philly Buddy Heald trade would be, like you've brought up many times with Boston, what would the Kings expect to get in return? How much would Philly be willing to to pay and who would they be willing to part from? I know the sexiest name in that situation is like a, a Matisse Thibel package involving picks and things like that. But you also got to make that money work. And Buddy Heald has owned a lot of money. And I'm interested to see how much his elite shooting is counteracted by the attitude issues of the past and just the, the, the dollar amount that he's making. Yeah. And, and like, so what do you want in return? So buddy Heald makes 24. You look at that Philly, the, you can throw Danny green in there mm-hmm. and say, okay, Danny green, you're upgrading Danny green in a way. Uh, but does, do you care? Do you want Danny green? No, you want Thibel. Okay. You're not going to get maxi. You're not going to get, um, th- that's going to be a tough deal to pull off. Mm-hmm. So the money, the money is not necessarily uh, going to be conducive to that sort of deal, but it depends on how, like if Philly looks at Brooklyn and says, we got to do something, then I can see them moving on from Curry. Uh, I mean, from, from green, cause you still have Curry and you're bringing in, um, you're bringing in buddy healed, but it, you're, you're going to have to, that's going to be a, a deal where, that's where you can hold somebody hostage for draft picks because now you have a team that's now is their chance that, that this is um, Joel Embiid's. This is the moment for Embiid. Mm-hmm. This is the moment for, for you and Simmons. Um, Brooklyn has made this big 
splashy move and you run the risk of not being able to outscore Brooklyn. Well, putting Buddy Heald and Seth Curry on either side of Joel Embiid and and that that can be scary enough and you can still I know like you said with the defense but I mean you can still make Brooklyn's life a little bit difficult. It's it's a move that that's a a clear win now reactionary move that that maybe maybe Philly would be motivated to pull off and maybe they would give up on somebody of value that in, in that in that pursuit of counteracting what Brooklyn did. Well, as the trade deadline gets closer and closer, I'm sure the rumors are only going to pick up and it's going to get more and more interesting. I have a feeling we have not heard the last of Harrison Barnes to Boston rumors. And heck, if the if the deal goes down, it actually happens. Maybe we'll get John Corrales back on Lockdown Kings to really break down the deal for both teams. Uh, it's safe to say Boston has uh, better, brighter chances in the playoffs this year than the Sacramento Kings certainly do. Although with the streakiness of this team, who knows? They could rattle off six in a row and suddenly we all believe again. But uh John, thank you so much for taking the time, my friend. It was a pleasure talking to you. I could break down these trades with you uh, all day long, my friend. We'll have to do it again. And uh, best of luck to the Boston Celtics going forward. I'm sure it's going to be interesting to follow what they try and do against the Sixers, the Nets, and the rest of that more talented and more impressive Eastern Conference than I think people give them credit for. Well, yeah, that East is is really getting difficult. Um, If Milwaukee can figure it out and if Boston can figure out what to do with this TPE, uh, you know, the top four can be really, really tough. So it'd be interesting to see how this all works out. Big thank you again to John for stopping by the Locked on Kings podcast today. We'll definitely have to do it again, especially if a Kings and Celtics trade goes down. As for tonight's Kings and Nets game, well, you know, I have low expectations for a Kings win, but of course I still will be watching. I expect you will be too. We will be back on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kings to recap this game, plus more great content. I'm working on more specials and interviews, conversations like this surrounding the trade deadline as it gets closer and closer, and we expect the Sacramento Kings to be very active sellers in this market. Plenty of time for that to still change, too. You never know what the ups and downs of this Kings season. So to follow everything that's going on, make sure you keep tuning in to Locked On Kings. Until next time, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.